0: This is Inglorious Trexpert, Darren Doctorman. And from me and everybody at the Trexperts, we wish you a lovely holiday season and hope that you have time to spend it with your friends and family and with our wonderful swag from our various websites and our sister podcasts, Inglorious Trexperts and 430 Movie. At the Inglorious Trexperts site, that's inglorioustrexperts.com, you can find a whole bunch of swag with our Trexperts logos and famous uh, quotes from the show, and t shirts, and sweatshirts, and hoodies, and spatulas. No, there's no spatulas. But uh, you can get tote bags and uh, coffee mugs, all that sort of swag that uh, you've come to uh, expect from a high-quality podcast. So take a look on inglorioustrexperts.com and also look at 430movie.com. That's 430movie.com. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. This is Darren Doctorman, And we are the Inglorious Trexperts. I thought it was a
1: classic femme fatale. Just so much fun. Like that Shakespearean lace in your acting.
2: I said, Gene, what do you want from this character?
0: I want you to just take the character and make it your own.
3: I had a good time on the film.
0: On day one, the movie was already $15 million over budget. We started this movie without an ending. That's like painting yourself into a corner. I don't think we've ever had a Star
4: Trek captain on our show. Being, as you said, number one on the call sheet, it is a producer's position if you're going to take it seriously. I was so glad they didn't cast me as Lorca.
5: You famously wrote that script in 12 days. On one level, I wrote the script.
3: And on another level, the story was written by everybody in sure. his brother. New episodes every
0: Saturday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Or download the Electric Now app. Keep on trekking, Ingloriously, of course. Inglorious Glorious the only podcast for fans with a life,
5: is available every Friday, wherever you listen to podcasts. And on the free Electric Now app. Download it today. If you felt a great disturbance in the force, You're not wrong. My new book, Secrets of the Force, is now available in hardcover, digital, and audio from St. Martin's Press. And check out my other great oral histories with Ed Gross of Star Trek, the 50-Year Mission. So say we all, the complete oral history of Battlestar Galactica. And Nobody Does It Better, the Complete Oral History of James Bond and Spymania. All available in hardcover, paperback, digital, and audio wherever you buy your books.
0: Abducted Move. To another universe Sisko's dead You want me to take his place? Sisko faces his past Oh, You know She was my wife too But in my universe She's dead Now he must join the fight are born
6: a slave and you'll die a slave Or watch his wife
0: die again
6: I'm afraid there's no escape
0: On the next Star Trek Deep Space Nine
4: This is Peter Holmstrom, I'm a screenwriter for the CW television show Pandora, as well as the author of The Center Seat, 55 Years of Star Trek, a companion book to the hit documentary series by the Nacelle Corporation, on the bookshelves November 26.
1: I'm Lisa Klink, I was a writer on Deep Space Nine and Voyager, and I have a short story coming out in the new Star Trek Explorer magazine.
4: And this is the Inglorious experts uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> this is the Trexperts briefing room where uh, industry professionals curate audio commentaries with creators, creatives, and diehard fans of the Star Trek franchise. Alternate reality. Worlds where what we know are different. A world where Hitler won World War II. The Soviets won the space race. JFK never died. Or on the smaller scale, worlds where decisions you made here were done differently. Going left when you should have gone right. Driving that two seconds slower instead of getting in that car accident. Talking to that girl who you passed on the streets, who may have been your soulmate. Such plots have made for millennia of barroom conversations, served as the impetus for the majority of major world religions, and uh, also led to some of the most thought provoking works of fiction. But said the Joker to the thief, why so serious? Alternate realities can be fun. In 1967, Star Trek dove right into an alternate reality with the simplest of conceits, evil versions of our beloved characters. What started as a simple concept turned into one of the most popular and critically regarded episodes of the original series. The next generation seemed to stay away from the mirror universe, choosing instead to forge its own path with alternate realities in episodes like Yesterday's Enterprise. But by the time of Deep Space Nine, a return to the Terran Empire was called for, and five episodes involving those characters and storylines were produced. The events of this would be the launching pad for a new ongoing comic book series set within the mirror universe focused on the TNG era crew written by none other than Scott and David Tipton who are joining us here today. Thanks for being here. Hi. Pleasure. So uh, we are watching the second of the five episodes, deep space nine spends delving into the mirror universe. I'm curious for you guys, if we could start with a question for both of you when it came to writing your own comics set within the mirror universe, where did he start doing the research?
5: Well, we had an
4: advantage
5: in that the next generation had never delved into the mirror universe at all. And so we had mostly a blank slate with the advantage of the designs that we got from CBS and our collaborator, J.K. Woodward. They want to explain what was going on with, with, we had no idea what was happening.
3: J.K. Woodward had come up with a whole set of designs for a next-gen mirror universe and uh, mirror versions of all the crew, a mirror version of the uh, Enterprise itself. So basically, we were presented with what was a style guide. And then when work, working with J.K. and also uh, John Van at CBS, it ended up on our side, we ended up creating what was like a writer's guide for mirror, mirror Star Trek Next Generation. And the question everybody always asks is, well, there can't be a mirror next generation because that whole uh, mirror universe history is different. There is no Tyran Empire, it falls. And the way that this had been addressed by JK and by us is that mostly the Tyran Empire falls, but there is a small rump part of it left behind still back on Earth. And in our stories we see Captain Picard and his crew trying to break out of the restrictions placed upon them by the Cardassian-Klingon alliance.
5: Yeah, not completely conquered, but hemmed in severely, just basically to, to Earth's home system. And then since the DS9 episodes discuss how there's so much propaganda out there, out in the, in the, 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 the far rims and far reaches, the, the Klingons and Cardassians are putting out that story that Terrans have been crushed when in fact, there's still enough there to be putting up a, uh, a bit of, res- of a resistance that uh, our Picard and crew will then begin to fan the flame of.
3: And I think we'll even see that come up in the episode. I think to the part where Sisko actually refers to, to the the propaganda that the Klingons and Cardassians put out.
4: Yeah. It is a really interesting episode. And I, I wanted to pick this one because it, it seems to lay some of the groundwork for, um, for your own uh, mirror universe storylines, which um should also plug that it recently came out as a large graphic novel and still ongoing, though. And currently, the Mere War is uh, on the bookshelves. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so, listeners out there, we will be watching Star Trek Deep Space Nine, uh, Season 3, Episode 19, Through the Looking Glass. Let's go over some highlights for this episode. We have one Mere Universe, five implied sexual encounters, two wigs <laughs> to unnecessarily alter someone's hair, one averted existential crisis in seeing someone's dead wife, one conundrum solved with the classic, I'll blow up the ship. <laughs> uh, Vulcan salutes out there have to go to Alexander Sadig for his oddly long punk rocker wig. <laughs> Russ for, for a wholly unnecessary guest spot. And an visitor for reminding us again, intendants are more fun. And Avery Brooks for making me think he had a goatee and a shaved head when he did not. <laughs> uh, so, listeners out there, Season 3, Episode 19, Through the Looking Glass, On a Countdown, 3- 2 1 and play. i All right. found 27 vols in his storeroom Vol is <laughs> the <station's laughs> a classic example of how uh, Quark is just always scheming on something <laughs> it's uh, yes on the backs
5: we were just I would have liked to see in the bowl race, I have to say.
4: <laughs> we always want to see more. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this typical,
3: more in a sort of a passive background partner in what's going on here.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: I want the bulls- Honestly, the fact that, that there's not an animated half-hour, just quarks bar television show <laughs> is, is <laughs> such a missed opportunity.
1: I don't know how family-friendly that would be. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Probably not, but... <laughs> The era of streaming. (laughs) Yes. Poor Morn. is going to break his heart. Guys, you've written so many Trek comics. Uh, How much fun do you have just writing for the characters of of Deep Space Nine?
5: See, we don't get as much opportunity for that. So when we do, it's great. Sir, I need to talk to you. It's kind of private. We were just
3: leaving.
4: This is also a rare um, instant of... um, O'Brien out of uniform. Yeah, no one bats an eye at it, by the way. Nobody bats an eye at
3: it. Yeah, actually, if you, throughout this whole sequence, the other crew are kind of passe about, or they're, they're kind of bored about him showing up. This guy's just kind of watching over here, and this guy over here on the right just standing there.
5: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, look at that. O'Brien's got a gun. <laughs> nice sweater, though.
2: Yeah.
4: <laughs> it's like, yep, it's uh, another day on, on Deep Space Nine. <laughs> And then, equally classic, uh, yeah, I have to figure out this complex procedure to get you into a mirror universe, but just wave a wand over it and yeah. everything's fine.
1: Well, how much techno babble do you really want to sit through?
4: That's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Compared that to some wand- Star Trek, uh, Deep Space Nine definitely uh, is light on the techno babble, I feel like. And that's
5: that cool. wand came in handy in one of our stories, too. We were like, oh, we could use the wand. <laughs> that's great. Amazing.
3: One of the things to notice here is that already a change from the first T Space Nine Mirror episode that the O'Brien character is much more confident now than he was in the first time around. He's, he's actually kind of grown and we kind of see that in the comics we're working too, that uh, the O'Brien character changes in the Mirror Universe.
2: Hmm.
1: Did you get any kind of guidelines from Paramount or from the Trek universe about what you could or could not do with the characters?
5: No, the CBS has been really good. As, as far as they, they they kind of they gave us those initial concepts for the for the character designs,
3: and of course you know we know what we can and can't do as well. So That's that,
4: the, yeah, <laughs> it is pretty rare, though, isn't it? For um, IDW tends to do more miniseries based uh, comics, and the idea of an ongoing Star Trek series is uh, a little rare. So, like, is that something that you pitched from the word go, or was it more like this is a collection of of miniseries that...
5: Oh, they, they've all been miniseries for us. They they, they they like that model. But we try and make them interconnect, at least, yeah. so that they're, you get the feeling of a longer ongoing story.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah, and also, like, let's just work on longer story arcs in a way. In some ways, it has an advantage over an ongoing because you, you've you got a beginning and an to a story. In a way, with an ongoing, you kind of end up, okay, what's next, what's next, what's next?
2: Yeah,
5: it's easier to get readers excited about coming back to a new series every time, too. So we take advantage of that. Yeah. But yeah, to, to what Dave said, I mean, we, we've been doing this long enough that we we, we kind of know what CBS expects and, and what they will and won't like. And they trust us, so they pretty much give us an open an open field and then we just <laughs> carefully mind it. And also, Great. a
3: lot of those normal rules go out the window with the Mirror Universe because these characters can do things that they would not do in the Prime Universe.
1: Yes, of course.
4: Sure, in one of your, uh, in, the, in the first Mirror Universe collection, that. Tasha Yar makes a appearance very quickly, and then uh, <laughs> dies very quickly. But, um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I love, I love the character design, though. I wish, I wish you guys kept yeah. it around. So I was like, wow, yeah, let's see more of her, please. But no, we thought
5: about go. it, but we just said some
4: things don't change. <laughs> that was a pretty nice Another senseless death. Or... <laughs> it doesn't change anything. You can't go home unless I reconfigure the transporter. Uh,
5: uh, was this the first time Felicia Bell had come back for, since the pilot?
4: I believe so. I think um, so, yeah. It's amazing how the recurring guest cast they have um, for Deep Space Nine and how they seem to keep coming back and seem being willing and able to return. And at some point, I mean, I'd love to ask one of the, uh, you know, I, either Iris here, Barrow or, or Robert hood Wolf or one of those people who was there for a very long time, like, was there ever an idea that you just weren't able to do with a returning cast number? we started a rebellion against the klingon
3: And there we see the beginnings of the the rebellion against the Cardassians and the klingons but i
6: don't see what that has to do with me
3: and in the first appearance in crossover uh the rebellion really hadn't got started yet at least
6: our benjamin cisco was was
3: captain cisco's dead and this is a very nice convenient way to let um <laughs> avery books play his mirror version we're going to kill off the mirror version and have him pretend to be the mirror version
6: got a better right there. we're going to walk back
4: to the transporter pad and you're going to- and it is a it's kind of a classic uh storyline which is like the you know the great dictator charlie chaplin right the, um yeah, yeah yes. we're going to have someone who is the exact opposite of this of this person come in to pretend to be this person and, uh,
3: and it is interesting because in the first space nine mirror episode he really uh goes all the way to the top, and in the second one here, he kind of dials it back a bit because he's playing he's playing prime Cisco, pretending to be a mirror Cisco, and so he's not quite as over the top as he is the first time around. A new transpectral spectral sensor array that will allow the Alliance to locate our base...
5: I did think Cisco was rather blasé about all this when it happens. He, he takes it and, and very much
4: takes it in stride. <laughs> he's very much taking it in stride, and um, it's... In, you know, in some ways, I feel like this episode, there's a great episode within it, and it's kind of doesn't hit, get there necessarily because like it, um, uh, you know, it's like it, it, it's meant to be a, a lark. It's meant to be like a, a just a, a romp through the mirror universe almost and everyone's having fun. But then this moment right here where Cisco sees his dead wife, suddenly that's becomes a very serious thing in the audience's mind but i feel like even the character doesn't quite get that deep level of darkness that that we know is probably called for but just doesn't quite get there and it's
3: yeah it is interesting because uh jennifer is not a truly evil mirror type character and right here we have cisco thinking oh i can win her over again but he doesn't seem impressed with the fact that well isn't she the evil version of your wife (laughs) yeah
4: I know, like, I think that's probably what's missing. It's just like, why doesn't Cisco just like, try to uh, try to save, you know?
3: Well, one of the things that's always tricky with mirror stories is that some people get mirrored and some people don't. And yeah. it's it's been that way throughout mirror stories. And sometimes it works to the benefit of telling a story um, because if everybody's totally evil, then you have other story problems as well. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you do. You do. Oh, my.
4: First sexual encounter. Okay. <laughs> I love how the Vulcans just back there are just like... Yeah,
5: what's with the Vulcan fan? It's, just,
4: it's just there. <laughs> <laughs> Vulcans are, are the servants in the mirror universe, apparently, instead of the uh, high intellectual um, scientists.
3: Join us. We saw last time in Crossover that the Terran workers have the giant Earth sort of sticker on them to indicate that they're, I suppose... Uh, subject to the Klingon-Crudanian Alliance.
5: Yeah. it lets you know they're Terran or Tehran, as Cisco weirdly says at one point. <laughs> I haven't even
6: seen him in five years. Oh, I know that, and I hope that will make this easier for you. You see, Benjamin is
4: dead. It's a bit of a the usual MacGuffin, you know. We're developing a super weapon, blah blah blah. You know, someone's up to stop it. And I, I think here it's technically like a sensor array.
5: Yeah, yeah, it's not even like a like a
4: like a death laser or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's
5: a sensor thing, really. Yeah. It's, all right. Okay. So, something
4: bad. Something bad. Were there other killed with him?
6: Oh, whole, whole shipful. All of this killing—it has to stop.
4: Mm-hmm. Lisa, do you recall? Was there ever a, a thought of bringing the mirror universe over to Voyager?
6: Your transspectral sensors will be able to locate the rebel
4: base. Lisa, I'm afraid you're you're muted
6: disarm
2: them like all this bloodshed.
6: and I will be able to resume pressing the alliance to become more reasonable
4: to its Terran population we'll get we'll get Lisa's answer here shortly then <laughs> um, I'll visit her just bringing the usual A plus performance to everything she does but yeah
3: she really does um, seem to relish being the mirror version
4: she does.
1: Uh, to answer your question, uh, yes, yes. Uh <laughs> there was no there was no discussion that I remember about okay. doing a mirror universe with Voyager.
4: Yeah, and again, going back to your point earlier, is that like Cisco just very like, yeah, okay, well, we're we're in, we'll go here. We go, we're doing this thing. <laughs> it's it's uh, it's kind of a an interesting notion here, where it's like he. In some ways, he's sticking very closely to the prime directive aspect, which is just like, this is a mirror universe. I can't fix it. It's not my job to fix the problem. It's my job to get home if I can. And uh, in some ways, that does lead it to be a little, it feels a little like a cold episode in a way. I think also because this is still Cisco
5: in the early seasons where he's so much more restrained. I feel like a season five or six Cisco in this same situation would be a lot more aggressive about this. Yes. You don't run up against too many surprises.
4: Agreed. If I do, I guess I'll just have to improvise. <laughs> and guys, when writing your your mere episodes, like what I think is so great about them is, like very early on, or mere comics, rather, excuse me, mere, uh, very early on, like I'm with those characters, right? Like, what sort of thought process went into? How do we make the audience like these characters who are definitionally? Uh, evil
3: <laughs> yeah it's a, it's a tricky issue to deal with because um, oh there's um, a <laughs> <laughs> in the house <laughs> and this is really all he does he, he doesn't do anything really else I thought we
5: were going to be a big sacrifice later but no
3: no that's about it Unfortunately, it's
4: a decent entrance though he just sits up and is very surprised <laughs> Yeah,
5: I, I
3: think maybe Voyager had just premiered. Yes, not too. Very, yeah, and so I think that really is a hey, look, we've got two rocks here. Yeah.
4: And there's long hair this year, which
2: is so it's, it's good luck.
3: Oh yeah, that is some long. Fun. And then there, there's the Eye Guy from uh, the first T Space Nine Mirror episode,
4: also. Uh, returning next year. <laughs> the Eye
1: Guy. Yep.
4: Yeah. Guy. <laughs> um, Anyway, I'm sorry, I cut you off. You, were, you were... Yeah,
3: so what is tricky about that is that these mirror characters are sometimes pretty despicable, and then sometimes in our story, they also end up being the protagonists. And so you really have to watch just how evil they can be, because if they're too evil, then you might lose any kind of sympathy with them. And it's also, it, it, it really is a matter of sort of, figure out how to how to keep the audience interested but also and you'll see this throughout this episode is one of the ways you deal with it is that mirror episodes tend to be a little bit sort of tongue-in-cheek a little bit arch sort of in the characters and that kind of makes it fun and i think the D space nine ones are very much
5: like that oh like right there where Dax just kind of swaggers in and yeah flies some- exactly
4: oh yeah yeah I just, and i just have to bring this up too they totally have sex here in a minute like <laughs> so it, is, it
1: is what <laughs> Yeah. And
4: yeah it is bizarre <laughs> it's just like I mean it's funny because yeah. uh, being glorious experts Mark and Darren just did an episode about the Deep Space Nine Bible and in the Bible for the show it's talked about that like Cisco and Dax have sexual tension like that's what they have and like you know the and that just doesn't happen in the show there's a few moments early on where you're like oh maybe but then it just never gets developed from there But here it's just like you could almost see like Iris Stephen Bear and you know Robert (laughs) Hugh Wolf being like you know there was that idea we'd always talked about (laughs) maybe maybe.
3: (laughs) and I I think you really haven't seen many romantic things for Cisco up until this point in the show either Uh so
4: yeah and here it seems like he he literally like three times in one in one day just happens and.
1: I always love how much fun the actors seem to be having in these episodes. Yeah.
2: I yeah.
3: And then you have to wonder if he's going to tell regular Dax about this when he gets back home.
5: You'll <laughs> <laughs> <Like, I feel> never <laughs> like guess what happened to me. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> and here we have Mira Garrick again. Mira Garrick is not all that different from normal Garrick. He's yeah. he actually seems a little bit dimmer maybe. He's not quite as smart and he's not quite as sneaky maybe, but um he's definitely not a mirror version of Garrick.
4: No, I agree. And I think yeah. in a way it's a bit of a, a missed opportunity to do something uh, super interesting. I mean, I guess the mirror version is just like he's out and proud of yeah. the fact that he's the best person for any spy-related job, right? right. Whereas in, in regular universe, he's like, no, I'm just a simple tailor. I really don't, don't, you know, and you have to peel back that onion. Whereas here, he's like, yeah, I'm second in command.
3: I never understand the economics of bringing rocks up to a space station. What about the gravity well? Isn't this extraordinarily expensive? And then you're going to mine them. In, and you've got transporters. Why are you putting them around in mine carts? And so that's a little weird to me. You can't
5: get that really good processed rock on Earth. or space.
1: And you can't replicate it either. No, no, Garrett, <laughs> yeah.
5: not. We need real rocks here. Yes. <laughs> yeah, my take on Garrick was that if this Garrick hadn't suffered the kind of like ostracizing he had in prime that led him to have to go underground. So here he's just kind of like a big pompous snake dude. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. There's there's no there's no nuance. No much like Kira here, where there's not much nuance, but it's it's so much fun to watch. It's so much fun. Yeah.
4: I love it. <laughs> it's, it's great.
0: With Cisco's death and the imminent completion of the sensor array, the
5: rebellion... Especially because uh, Kira never got much much of a chance to, to, to play comedy or be funny. Yeah. No. So when she gets these, it's like, alright.
4: <laughs> Gloves are off. <laughs> yes. Then our visitor talks about how utterly uncomfortable that outfit was and uh, you got to figure like a lot of especially the women in Star Trek like their costumes probably weren't the most comfortable in the world but um, yeah
6: patterns are accurate you tell me you gathered the information Hmm? oh that's right this is
5: the least romantic pillow talk ever yes
4: (laughs) but it is clearly pillow talk
2: oh yeah oh yeah
4: yeah it's uh I don't understand why they give these characters wigs here. It's just—it's—is it, it just to highlight the fact that, like, oh, we're in a different universe? Or... Well, I
5: guess between between Dax and Bashir, apparently the the mirror haircut of choice is the mullet. Yep. Yes. <laughs> the evil mullet and the evil goatee. Have you taken a good look at your troops lately?
1: They're nothing but excellent...
4: The the goatee was for the original, and so they had Deep Space Nine had to have their own idea. You know, <laughs> and it's the it's the mullet. <laughs>
6: Forget all about the Rebellion.
4: I'm not ready to give up just yet.
6: It's not like you're going to have much choice. It
4: is funny how, like, when Cisco first comes into this, he's very much, I am playing a part and then I'm getting out of here, right? But then over the course of the episode, he just can't help but kind of just turn into his ordinary self over after a while, right? Like, he has fun for a bit. And then by the end though he's given this impassioned speech to uh, to Jennifer about how the world can be a better place, yeah. mm-hmm. and he just he just can't help himself.
5: Well, you'd hear he has to be reminded by by uh, smiling about what to yeah. do yeah. when 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 uh, <laughs> Mullet Bashir gets in his face.
4: <laughs> I wanted Cisco though to be like to smile a little bit there to be like I've wanted to hit you for so fucking long,
2: <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> but he doesn't. <laughs> Which is partly like the the note for this whole episode is he kind of as much as I think ev- like even Avery Brooks here knows that he's uh, this is meant to be a bit fun like you kind of want them to be, be having even more fun right and to be really highlighting for the audience that like this is just we're just let's have a good time you know It's none of your concern.
0: Anyone else want to disagree
3: with? Mirror Julian's sort of fun to watch in a way that sometimes early Julian in, in the Prime Universe on, away- creeps you out a little bit. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Why Cisco told Dax to put the gun down, I don't understand. Like, it's, it's just like, oh, you, you just you just want to put her in her place, I guess. I don't know.
5: Cisco uh, gets points for the open-handed
4: martial arts punch instead of just a full-on closed fist. I like that.
3: Yeah, so instead of a nose push,
4: <laughs> it's, the, it's the classic Star Trek fighting style: just open palm fist. Two watch just watching. What's going yeah. on?
3: Yeah, I know. But not smarter.
6: If she's that important to the Alliance, think how important she could be to us. But we could use a scientist on our side. You tell him, Smiley, at least someone here is using his brain.
1: So did they tell you to to watch all of the existing Mirror Universe episodes, or did you just get free reign from the start?
5: I think they pretty much assumed we'd do that.
1: Yeah, yeah and they they knew. <laughs> yeah,
5: at this point they know us. And luckily there aren't that many, so it's 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 yeah. the, compared to some of the other research we've had to do, it was pretty easy.
3: It is interesting going back to something Lisa said earlier: is that Deep Space Nine went all in on mirror, and then Voyager didn't do it at all.
4: <laughs> yeah, and then Enterprise does the two-parter,
3: and um, Enterprise kind of goes in big with Mirror, So yeah. yeah.
4: But then uh, it's it's uh, not seen again until Discovery does their their little new universe thing. It's about Captain Cisco. Cisco, he's
0: alive. He was
4: able to get off his. It is funny when looking at this episode, just how many characters are in it as well, right? Yes. Yeah, like for a, lot. a show that often was going up against the budget, this one just not only a lot of characters, but a lot of aliens as well. Like it's just this Morris board here. You got to clean on back there. You got to. Ferengi, and then, of course, Pejoran right here. Poor Michael Westmore had a lot of work to do.
1: I'm sure he enjoyed himself. <laughs>
5: <laughs> Don't do that. This is a nice bit of foreshadowing here with the H.E. Scalp on... on, um... Hope this works. On O'Brien. hmm I mean, a lot of times you would get, uh, from from lesser script editors, you'd get no, but you gotta explain why he's doing that? No. Let us have a surprise. And they do it here. ...anyone
6: suspected you weren't, Captain Sisko. (laughs) At least not once you hit Bashir. (laughs) But you and I both know that was just a warm-up. Jennifer is the one I really have to convince. I guess
2: well the
1: fun so, thing or the nice thing about mirror episodes is that you know even if you have an awful lot of characters you can reuse the same sets you know you don't have to go down to an alien planet you don't have yeah. to build all those new sets yeah. so you can afford to have a bunch of aliens in it
3: yeah and what, what you do here is you turn down the lights a bit to help out with that <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yep. the add, yep. add red gel on that sucker' and yeah. <laughs> that's
4: exactly. right fine
5: yeah I mean this is really in a lot of ways a classic bottle show. Mm-hmm. But because the, the concept is so strange, you
4: really don't even notice it. It feels yeah. bigger than it is. Yeah. And by this point as well, and I think Lisa even, especially in Voyager too, like there'd just been so much Star Trek that they kept everything. So they were just repurposing old sets and old, old things. Like there's some Star Trek 6 elements in here. There's some uh, reuse of the Defiant in here. Like it's yeah. it's a whole, just this a board of uh, of Uh, pre existing material to utilize.
1: Absolutely. And and they
5: they kind of take advantage of their of the viewer's familiarity too, because all of a sudden you you instantly know okay we're in Cisco's ship here. But we only really see it like once or twice. And you're just kind of so used to Star Trek storytelling at this point that you follow right along.
4: Yeah.
3: You know, Captain Cisco would try to fight his way out of this.
6: Be glad I'm not him. If it isn't the notorious
4: Captain... And to your point, the bottle show, right? It's like two ships come out uh, of cloak to to capture them, but they don't get transported over to those ships. They get escorted right. back to Deep Space Nine. Yes. Just because.
1: <laughs> because standing sets.
2: Yeah.
5: Yes. <laughs> Cisco did have a bit of Kirk Swagger when he walked through that door just now. Yeah. did.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yes.
3: He kind of even foreshadows later episodes of T Space Nine Cisco here. It <laughs> mm-hmm.
4: he really does. He's I, I like to think he had a good time with this, but you can also tell that like this is episode what is it, nineteen? Like they're, you know, in it at this point. It's very, very tired.
1: <laughs> yes. ever shall we do about
4: O'Brien? And this is kind of to your point earlier, this is kind of the one moment you see the the more shy and, and PTSD version of O'Brien.
3: Exactly. He actually acts here like he did in Crossover. Yeah. Uh And the uh, first issue of our miniseries, our artist did a great job of showing that sort of less confident version of Smiley, too.
2: Yeah.
4: Which I love the art on those, uh, especially that first run. I was like, God, this is cool.
5: Yeah, our, our new artist is Gavin Smith, and he's doing amazing stuff. Fantastic.
1: You're a Terran. You were born a slave and you'll die. So are you going to do more mirror universe uh, issues? Only time will tell. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have more stories ready to go? Always. Yeah.
2: she'll decide what to do
4: with me. (laughs) Of all the impudent... Do as he says.
6: Intendant, I demand that this man be... You? Demand? You promised me he'd die.
1: And you will? When I say. And not a moment.
3: It's also different here with Mira Garrick that he's actually in charge of things. He's not a tailor. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so that plays a lot to what we see. What would it be like if Garrick is in charge of things? Um, Yeah.
4: Pillow talk number two. (laughs) Yep, (laughs) again. We're supposed to
5: think something's happened here, but they just don't want to tell us. Oh, clearly something's (laughs) happened.
1: Oh, yes. (laughs) The only reason I can think of to keep you alive is to infuriate Gary. Yeah, he's probably not going to tell Kira about this when he gets back. (laughs) 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 Who do I tell first?
4: (laughs) Definitely uh, one of those things you keep to yourself.
2: (laughs) What?
6: Will I
5: get? going <laughs> a staff meeting with Kira and Max when he gets back. <laughs> I suppose you're yeah. why I called you here today.
4: Yeah. <laughs> or he just writes it up in a report and sends yeah. it <laughs> <laughs> This is my experience in the mirror universe. <laughs> very
2: official, very cool. Yeah. yeah.
6: <laughs> I'm afraid I can never trust you again. Which means that I will have to dispose of you eventually. The question is. Should it be sooner?
1: So are both of you lifelong Trekkies? Oh, for sure, yeah,
5: just we're kids.
1: It just doesn't count.
5: (laughs) I mean, uh, to be able to have grown up and then as a young adult, in the middle of this kind of Renaissance, when there were like so many Trek shows on the air and and everything was just firing, was just such a a great time to be a fan of Star Trek.
1: Yes. Keeping it a secret. And how did you first get uh, hooked up with the Star Trek universe?
5: Um, I was already writing comic books for IDW uh, for their for their Buffy and Angel mm. license, and then IDW got the license for Star Trek, and I said, "Just <laughs> you can't just give me the job, I know, but just let us pitch CBS, and they gave us the opportunity to pitch, and
1: CBS liked our stuff." Please, and so it's been—we've we, had a great run with them.
6: This touching reunion. You heard her.
1: Are there other properties that you would like to work on? I think we've pretty much gotten our hands on everything,
5: for start. (laughs) Yeah, there's always always new stuff coming up that that we're excited about, but...
6: All right, I'm here. What did you want to see me about?
5: I'm trying to remember. I mean, how much did we see her in the pilot as far as actually acting?
4: You see a fair amount because not only do you see... uh, her dead but also you see the uh, flashback and then the, the prophet
3: yeah. and you then see the prophet's the inhabiting her
4: form thing so there was a fair amount and I want to say she comes back a couple
2: more times
4: but um, she's great though I, I wish they had done more with her because uh, she's she's a very good actress Felicia M. Bell is her name still alive still acting yeah
6: um, Sometimes I think it was the only thing you ever loved.
4: And this just goes to speak about how, like, uh, the sort of the... the, for the supporting cast that Deep Space Nine could constantly rely on to bring just outstanding performances, and it's been talked about a lot, but they are just, they are all so good.
1: Yeah, they hit a really deep bench.
4: Yeah.
6: Do you know how many deaths you've caused? How much destruction? I'm fighting to help free our people. You're fighting because you like to fight, Benjamin.
1: Just going to ask the guys, uh, what is their favorite Star Trek series?
6: Uh, It depends on the
5: day you ask me. Some days I'll I'll say next gen, some days I will say classic.
3: It's probably next gen for me. Yeah? Yeah, maybe D-Space 9 is very close to it. And and I, I I like Voyager a whole lot also.
4: The mirror universe decision here, which is to say that like Cisco and Jennifer had a horrible marriage. Right. Mean. And it was short and it was just bad. Whereas in the, in the pilot, it's implied that they had a great relationship. They were both you know, loving father, loving parents to Jake and, um, uh, but here it's it's the mirror version, so it's, it's oh
5: that it's funny and there's no Jake here, is there?
4: There is no Jake. We have not no. seen Jake anyway. That's not to say that there isn't a Jake, but we have not seen Jake.
5: We're not even a mention, So I mean that, no. that, that is, that's also a difference.
4: Although I believe it, is it the next episode where Jake kind of hops over to the mirror universe, hoping to hoping to yes. save his mom? Yeah,
3: yeah. They they come over and, and then Jake goes Jake goes with them, and Jake meets her. Oh,
5: Jennifer. Yeah.
6: you have no right to talk to me like that. Since when do you care about what happens to our people? Now, we just had
5: a, a, an act break just now, right? We did. That's an unusual act break, Tony. I'm doing an act break just on a conversation. I don't think if you, you saw that very often without it being something a bit more high stakes. Yes. And
3: a very long conversation also. There's mm-hmm. there's a very, very talky scene here, than an act break in the middle of it. But I think part of that was... I think a big part of the appeal for this episode at the time was working to show, Jennifer. <laughs> yes. And, and and I think that's why this is sort of the centerpiece of the episode right here.
5: Yeah, it it seems odd now because we're we're well past it, but at the time, her coming back was a big deal. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: And certainly, it's a big deal for Cisco. Oh yeah. You know, for for the character, so you want to you want to give it time, you know, sort of in in keeping with its impact.
6: You know what I wish? I wish I'd never met you. And I wish
4: things could... But again, this whole conversation, the episode is written to be a lark, like a, a romp through the mirror universe. And this conversation should just be gutting him. Like, its yeah. you're having a conversation with your dead wife that just seriously screwed you up for a number of years. But instead, he's just like, yeah, yeah, hi, okay, great. Very yeah. detached.
3: Yes, and he sort of strings it along for a long time here before he actually tells it. oh yeah. he doesn't really tell her who he is until the very end of the episode.
4: Yeah, I mean, it really if if they had gone, I understand why they did this, but if they had gone with a different character altogether, then I could have bought it being fun. Or if they had lent more, leaned more into like this is actually an existentially dark episode, then that would have been great too. But it's just the two together. Is just it, it's it's hard to uh, mesh them.
5: Yeah, because you've you've got uh, Cisco here having his a sexy romp with with Dax, and then you come right to what well, should be this heart wrenching yeah. uh, discussion with his with his his dead wife. And yeah. I do think that, like again, I think I think the, at this point in how he was playing Cisco, I don't think they were either. He they were telling him it was okay to go bigger and be angry, or he felt he needed to be more restrained. Yeah,
6: it took him long enough.
4: The over. classic communicator in the years.
6: I'm verbal communicator. Yes.
4: Star
5: <laughs> favorite. The beauty of which is there's no prop. You just kind of push on your on yep. your. Oh, no. yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> this is kind of a cool set.
3: Yes, lots of smoke here.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: And they do this a few times, right? Especially when they do, like, the flashbacks to the Cardassian occupation. Mm-hmm, guys, mm-hmm. like, the, the mining area was always yeah. a very smoky and dark set. And it was,
3: yeah, yeah, the, the mirror Terek Nor here sort of looks like Tarek Nor in the Prime Universe when the
6: Cardassians yeah. controlled it. Yeah. yeah.
5: Mm-hmm. Oh, Well, I was just thinking it has kind of a Babylon 5 look to it. <laughs> oh, fair.
4: Yes, also. Also did. Yeah.
6: Are you coming with me or not?
5: There's a good bit here that's th- that he does. <laughs> She's like, Do I have a choice? And he <laughs> self consciously gets the gun out of frame. Of course, <laughs> I have a choice. Yeah.
3: <laughs> it's so funny. And her reaction here is so awesome. Like, ah, all right, I guess.
2: <laughs> <laughs> What's that?
6: I still hate you.
2: <laughs> so the uh, episode like seems like <laughs> a, a,
4: a kind of classical, like, <laughs> you know, 1930s. Action adventure thing where it's you got the leading man who's kind of devil may care quality, and then you got the girl who hates them but secretly really loves them, <laughs> and it's, yeah, and uh it would have been fun to lean into that more. Another fist open, palm
2: oh, strike. Yeah,
3: yep.
4: Palm <laughs> strike—that's the way to say it. I like that. And yeah. <laughs>
5: in a lot of ways this episode is kind of like a, uh, it's, it's drastic extremes, because you will have the fun stuff, and then all of a sudden when it does get violent, it gets really violent. Yeah.
3: Look at how they relit that corridor there. It's really nice.
1: Uh-huh.
3: Makes it look like a whole different set almost.
5: I do like two-gun Cisco here. Yeah. <laughs> Out of these sets, and it works. I mean, I don't really feel like that. Like this is um, just the, the same corridor over and over again. Yeah, yeah, and also
3: they're doing some interesting stuff with shots from down looking up, things like that. They, they don't normally do as often in the earlier episodes. Wow. Oh, and here's another Ferengi death. There's sort of a tradition that they will always kill off a Ferengi when they were in the Mirror Universe. So
4: <laughs> really, oh wow, yep. I never noticed yep. that.
3: And the final huh. one, uh, it's a it's a Brunt who gets killed. Yeah, and oh. So. Actually, in one of our upcoming issues, in honor of that, we call off a Fringeal. So, so.
4: That's amazing.
5: No, that that moment there with with Rom uh, impaled and stuck to the wall. There, I mean, that's that's one of the more ugly, violent things you see on Star Trek. Really.
1: Definitely. Yeah.
4: Although at the same time, like Star Trek doesn't shy away from the uh, more science-based horror that we see so often. (laughs) Lisa and I just did an episode on uh, TNG episode Genesis, which is like, Michael Westmore has a very good time making some very horrifying uh, creature designs. (laughs) Yes. But not
2: Jennifer.
6: What if we offer her a trade? I stay here and she lets you live. Benjamin, you know how I hate to be kept waiting.
5: I came a long way So those are Bajoran troops there that she's commanding also?
4: Yes. Yeah, because I think the, isn't the, the narrative that the Bajorans were the ones in power for a very long time? And uh, Well,
3: the Bajorans were the ones uh, on Terek Nor, uh, yeah. pretty much running the station.
5: But, they're, and, but they're, they're not conquered the same way they are in, in, in right, Cardassians, right. are the same way they are. They, they seem to have more power, more... Uh, yeah,
3: at one point in the first episode, Kira explains that the Terrans had conquered the Bajorans, and and then then the Terran Empire fell. But right. it sort of seems like the Bajorans picked up on some of the Terran ways, which may be why Kira is the way she is in some ways. He always has to make
5: things difficult. So it actually reframes the Cardassians almost
4: as liberators. Yeah, I would agree with
3: that. Yes, it
4: does. And it is such a clever, clever conceit in your in your uh, comic book series. How like yes, the Terran Empire was destroyed, but not really as destroyed as you think it was. So there's kind of the underdog story that you're able to play there, which allows for uh, people to uh yeah. to identify.
3: And it them. really helps us out when we have Cisco saying things like this one where he talks about on, cardassian propaganda because it fits in with that storyline.
1: Yeah.
6: I'm going to get you out of here, I promise. I believe you.
3: Here we have the classic self-destruct maneuver.
1: Yes.
4: I love how, like, yes, it's an alternate reality. Yes, everything's different, but the access codes for the self-destruct sequence is exactly the same.
5: An operating system is an operating system, man. Yes, that's
1: right. <laughs> Use the manual override to open the doors.
2: <laughs> that guy's like,
5: oh, I didn't think of the manual override. I'll get right to that.
1: <laughs> Don't worry. He's disappointed me for the last time. And
5: yeah, They do a lot of great, like, upward upward shots of, like... The
3: yeah, there's gear. a ton of those. in uh, the Oh, yeah. Space Nine mirror episodes. She, she's used that a lot. That's another way I think that it's sort of effective to make the ship look different and make the yeah. sets look different, for that matter.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Rick Colby uh, directed this episode and uh, one of many episodes that he directed, and I'm sure was very familiar with just all the various ways to uh, to take advantage of the sets and the uh, camera crew and such.
6: Yeah,
1: finding new angles must have been kind of a challenge
6: annoy you again actually for the first time since i've met him he's not annoying me in fact he's making a lot of sense
3: getting to your point pier it doesn't feel like we get enough of a reason why she changes her mind jennifer um and that that to me too is one of the things that i felt a little bit unsatisfying at the end here is that you kind of want to know more about well, who is Jennifer of the Mirror Universe. And why does she change her mind here? Yeah. Because we don't really get enough from Cisco here to see why she's changed her mind. Keep her alive.
4: It's, it's the classic uh, bond logic. Like, Cisco like <laughs> yeah. just slept with her and then she changed the sides. And that's it. <laughs> it's
2: all <Yeah>. you need.
3: <laughs> I think, I, think I, I remember reading one of the writers saying that they wished they'd had a little bit more time for this episode. Like, if sure. it had been a two-parter, they could have fleshed that out. And I can see that.
5: And that could have been a good way to actually use Jake as well, if somehow Jake made yeah. a decision of hers. But by, by taking Jake out of the equation, you know, she's not bad enough to really fully need redemption, but it's, it's yeah, it is, it, it's it's tricky.
4: But also, like, I think given the tone that they're shooting for, you know, it's just one of those things, you just go with it. You know, it's just, it's just, uh, it's just there. <laughs> and, and
1: it's fine. <laughs> We can kind of buy that that they are kind of have this, this destiny together, you know, that they are meant to be together in some way. And even in this mirror universe, they're still soulmates somehow. Don't listen to him. He's bluffing.
3: I do like this part here where she knows, oh, he's not bluffing.
5: <laughs> yeah. There's also a great moment a few minutes ago whenever he throws, he rattles off the the, the access code. And the look on her face, where she tries not to sell it, which is like, oh, he's got it. Damn it. Yeah. it was a nice bit acting on her part.
3: It is nice that you see here that Kira does know him pretty well, because she's like, oh, he's not bluffing.
6: This isn't over, Benjamin. I'll hunt you down. I swear it.
5: Yeah, see, this and this is a good counterpoint for her, for how, how kind of wacky she is at the beginning of the episode. Yeah. Something
3: that, that struck me, I, I hadn't realized, I guess it's been a while since I've watched it, but this episode ends, but Kira never knows that's not the real scope. Right. Yeah.
4: Oddly enough, as we see in a moment, Jennifer does know and uh, has always known.
3: Yeah, Jennifer knows, but Kira doesn't
4: seem to know. No. One of the uh, few, I guess, uh, exterior establishment shots we get in this episode Um
1: we have a lot ah, cave sets yeah. We love our cave sets
4: More cave sets
5: <laughs> <laughs> Really <laughs> tell us you there right, Walk in and then walk back out Okay, I guess Where's two locks when you need him? <laughs> yeah,
4: right, <exactly.
6: laughs>
4: uh, On Plus side, that guy got
6: a nice little Payday for this <laughs> <entrepreneur>. <laughs> This is goodbye Jennifer There's so much I want to tell you I just don't know where to start. Why don't you start by telling me what happened to my husband?
4: It is funny how, again, like here, he is leaning into that a bit more. Like, oh, he wants to tell her something. He's almost going to if if we accept that early on he was so detached from this whole universe, he didn't want to get involved. This is kind of the completion of that art where he's like, no, actually, I almost believe that you're my Jennifer, that I want to tell you everything that I wish I could have told her. And then she just is like, no, dumbass. I'm not, you're not my Cisco. I'm not your Jennifer and you need to leave now. And he's like, all right, fine. I'll, I'll go back to my happy swaggering ways. <laughs>
5: It's funny in the in the classic episode, Kirk doesn't tell um, the captain's woman Something. who he really is, but it, it almost feels more like it's a prime directive thing. Yep, yeah. like he only tell he only tells Spock, and I was like, as the last way out.
4: Yeah, because Spock's already figured it out. And it is an interesting conundrum, right? It's like this is a a universe where m- million billions of people are being oppressed uh, every day, and yet, um, you know, everyone's knowledge of it. Dictates that they, like they still cannot do anything with it, right? They 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 cannot help. It's just right. not something Starfleet's ever going to yeah. consider, and uh, that's an interesting philosophical conundrum that they they never quite go for.
3: It, it seems to me here at the end that this Cisco doesn't tell Jennifer. He lets O'Brien do it, and he does it because telling her that would. Be an intimacy with her that would be too much for him. He doesn't want to do it. It scares him away. He's like I I can't talk to you about this. I have to go.
4: Yeah, very fair. And we end right there. Yeah, there was another, (laughs) but that was it.
2: (laughs) Oh boy.
5: And I mean, when you look at the prime directive aspect of it, I mean, it's a fair point because according to the way DS9 lays out what happens after Classic. Because Kirk gives Spock the power to become emperor, that ends the empire and how many lives did that affect? So even very when you're doing the right thing is, uh, is has could that potentially catastrophic
4: results. Absolutely. Well and as we constantly see in Star Trek, when you do interfere with with either a primitive race or a race that is uh, outside of your jurisdiction, it can oftentimes have have very detrimental results. And just as you were describing. But um, so, David, Scott, like, in terms of all the Mirror episodes, where would you rank this one at? Um,
5: what do you think, David?
3: <laughs> I don't think it's one of the best. I, I think having watched it again recently and having watched it again just now, it's better than I thought. I used to put it pretty low on the list, but I think it's better than I originally thought. There's, there's more things going on here, and I think some of the things we talked about today is it's, it, there are things that didn't get fully developed and if it had been a longer episode, some of those might have been developed And they're actually quite interesting. The, the, the whole point of bringing Jennifer in is that I think at the time there was a lot of interest in, well, who was she? What was she like? And what would she be like in the Mirror Universe?
5: Yeah. I mean, for me, there's, there's no beat in the classic, obviously. But I think I like the Enterprise ones more. The Enterprise ones were just more, more fun they really, really leaned into it in a way that even these don't quite as much. And also, they also have the novelty of going back to classic uniforms and classic ships, which makes it feel so much more fun.
3: Yeah, and, and the, in the these Space nine Mirror episodes after this, uh, there is one where uh, Kira comes over to the Prime Universe. And then there are two more that have a lot more of Worf and Garrick. And uh, the final one has uh, uh, the the Fringy coming over to the mirror universe. And those final two, D Space Nine ones, they lean more toward that kind of comedy aspect of the mirror universe. Which, I mean, the, the tricky thing, like we've said about the mirror universe, is that because these characters can be so evil, sometimes you do end up softening it with some comedic aspects to it.
4: Absolutely, Lisa. How about
2: you?
1: That's tricky. Um, I think I'm going to have to have to agree with placing this behind the the original series mirror universe but uh I, I i really like the deep space nine mirror universe episodes all of them i think they they turned out really well and i just i love kira as the intendant
4: so good it's so good it's um it's it's a joy to watch always and it's uh, a joy to visit the mirror universe i think in, in just about any incarnation um so uh scott david where can uh, people get in touch with you
5: um I am on on your, your Twitter at Scott underscore Tipton and on Facebook under my real name and under uh, real name, like yeah. You know, so <laughs> <laughs> uh, your mirror universe. <laughs> <though>. <laughs> uh, you can find me out on Instagram as well and David. And I'm on Twitter as David underscore Tipton. And for people who like this episode in particular, um we're currently the the most recent issue of Star Trek: The Mirror War, which is uh, currently in shops. Um, as we're going along now, if you're a fan of seeing how uh, um, Smiley wound up on Tarek Nor, now's a good time to jump into the series. <laughs> it's just, it's just weird. there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, Miles O'Brien of Mirror of Miles O'Brien. And what he was like when he was on the Enterprise and what led him to his eventual phaetonic dorm. So,
3: and in those, yeah, in those early issues of the Mirror World, we actually see Kira and we see the Mirror Cisco. And then and we get to the second half of the story, we sort of see what happens as it plays out with the later D Space Timing episodes.
2: Ooh.
4: There we go. There we go. And Great. I will also give a, a quick plug for the uh, Star Trek Planet of the Apes crossover comic, which is currently <laughs> available in uh, trade paperback and uh, digital formats.
3: One of our favorites of all time.
4: <laughs> it's a lot of fun. <laughs> um, all right. So for us, uh, you can check. You can connect with us on uh, Twitter at Inglorious Trek and on Facebook and Instagram at Inglorious Trexports. Um, where you can get in touch with us. And if you like the show, uh, please give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. We'd like to thank our sound engineer, Mark Rivera, as well as our uh, producer, Natalie Muscali, and executive producers, Mark A. Altman and Dean Devlin. Um, So for Lisa Klink and myself, we will say thank you very much for being here. And the briefing room is now closed.
0: Scott, will you repeat what you just told us? About an hour ago, The bridge controls started going crazy. Levers shifting by themselves. Buttons being pushed. Instrument readings changing. And on my monitor screen, I can see Mitchell smiling each time it happened. As if his ship and crew were almost a toy for his amazing-